Van Lathan's The Red Pill, where we give you the brutal reality of truth. Today's guest, Atheon Crockett, comedian, actor, dancer, rapper, and man of God. He is going to tell me all about the church experience. Now, I had Natalie Emanuel Lee on here, and she spoke to me. She is a, a very anointed, uh, beautiful soul. Um, and we talked a little bit about why sometimes it's hard for me to go to church. Uh, Atheon, who I've known for a long time, heard that and wanted to give me some knowledge, give me a download on what the ritual of church means to him in the grand scheme of religion and also what it means to him personally and why I might be, in his opinion, maybe a little too fixated on what I think it means to actually be a church-going member of the Christian community. Very interesting talk to a man who is incredibly deep and spiritual, but who has sort of moved away from the ritual of church itself. Uh, it answers the question about, at this particular point, whether or not we need church. This is for all of my people who have spirituality in their life, don't care what religion you are. Do you need that place to go and fellowship and talk um, and potentially you're supposed to grow there, but is it still that place? Or is it a place of judgment and condemnation and pressure? This is the debate that I've had. These are the talks that I have with a lot of different people of faith and a lot of different people who are trying to find God, whatever God that is that they're trying to find. And that's the discussion that Atheon and I have today. And it is a very riveting discussion. Now, before we get to that, <clears throat> the NBA Awards were last night and Giannis Ananakupo, the Greek freak, who is actually the African freak, um, uh, won the MVP. He beat out James Harden, uh, and he beat out Paul George, who, you know, that's an interesting MVP finalist right there. Paul George had a fantastic season, but would you think this season, you don't really think Paul George for MVP? I don't know why that is. Um, but give it up for uh, Greek Freak. Maddie, clap for Greek Freak, man. He won the MVP. It's very important. Um, but something happened last night, and it happened last week at the draft, that is a pleasant surprise to me. Um, and I think is a trend and uh, shows a real sort of uh, trajectory into where we are right now. Uh, the Greek freak cried almost the entire time when he won his award. Um, he cried. Last uh, week, Zion Williamson cried. R.J. Barrett cried. These men were overcome with emotion, and they felt that it was okay to let it out. And not even that they felt it was okay to let it out. It was natural for them to let it out. Um, a couple of years ago, I remember it was Kevin Durant that was up on the MVP stage. And he uh, won his MVP. He talked about his mother. And he let the tears go. I'm almost getting choked up thinking about KD's acceptance speech. It was such a moving moment. This is very important. I've had Jason Wilson on here from the Cave of Medullam up in Detroit, uh, who, by the way, Cave of Adullam, they got their building now. Now they have a home to, to teach these young black boys self-defense and, and positive uh, conflict resolution. Just give it up for the Cave of Adullam. We got to call Jason and say, Maddie, clap. for the, why, why you ain't clapping for black people today, Maddie? That's weird. Um, but this is very important. It's, it, it, you know, me and Jason talked about men being in touch with their, with their, uh, with their emotions, uh, coming to terms with redefining excuse me, coming to terms with masculinity, redefining masculinity, 
uh, and getting out some of the negative uh, sort of connotations um, and behaviors surrounded by the the old masculinity uh, that we used to sort of chase and achieve um, or chase and try to achieve. I remember specifically a story. It was a story when I uh, was a younger man and Reggie Bush won his Heisman Trophy. A Heisman Trophy that now the Heisman people have decided somehow in a way doesn't exist anymore. The nigga was super fast and nobody could tackle him, but because, you know, he had a nice car, he's not the Heisman winner anymore. These people are wild to me. Anyway, um, when Reggie Bush won his Heisman, he cried. He cried talking about uh, his mother and the man who raised him. He cried, okay? I remember sitting down with a friend of mine, uh, and it was a funny moment that me and my boy Ryan always talk about because this guy couldn't pronounce Matt Leinart's name. He said, man, I can't believe that nigga Reggie Bush was up there crying because he wanted some kind of statue. That nigga Matt Lionheart didn't cry. That nigga Matt Lionheart won his Heisman like a G. Nigga Reggie Bush up there crying, man. That's what made me respect that nigga Matt Lionheart even more. And so I'm pausing the game. I'm looking at this dude who was a homie of mine too. I'm like, first of all, motherfucker, is Leonard. That's the first thing. And then secondly, so what that he cried? He just achieved something. I'm, there are literally maybe, what is it, 60 or 75 Heisman winners ever, something like that, some number. And he's one of them. It's a dream that he chased his entire life. He finally ran it down. How could you not cry? And just the internal battle, excuse me, or, or, and just the battle between me and my boy in that situation, who's a good dude, man, um, over tears, something as meaningless or meaningful, depending on how you look at it, tears, and how we were holding on to a notion that tears in some way uh, were indicative of how much of a man you were. So the moment that some tears fall from your eyes, you can't be that much of a man. You're something less than. Now think about all the things that that stops you from crying about. Your homeboy dies, you can't cry. Your mom passes away, you can't cry. Your, your son takes his first steps. Your daughter takes her first steps, you can't cry. You're in pain, physical pain, you can't cry. You see... You're watching Brian's song. At the end of it, you're moved. You want to cry. You can't cry. Just think about that. Think about a lifetime of having a genuine emotion, a genuine reaction inside of you, and you suppressing it. What does that do to you? What does it do to your brain? I had a ridiculous panic attack yesterday. And like a really, really bad one, right? One of those like classically... Yo, is this actually the last time I'm going to be on earth? And after this panic attack, I'm just sitting in my car. Boom. Just had somebody walk by and knock on the door and go, yo, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just having a cry session here so I can recalibrate my brain. Yo, these young kids got it right. Wherever you at, be who you are in that moment. You achieve something, 
cry about it, man. You feel sad, cry about it. You feel joyous, cry about it. And if you think Zion Williamson is less of a man, try to take a charge from him. Actually, don't. Don't try to take a charge for him. Hope that he jumps over you because you don't want all of that. Manhood doesn't have anything to do with tears, man. Manhood doesn't have anything to do with uh, sexual preference, orientation. Manhood has to do with who you're accountable to, who you're empowering, who can look you in the eyes and be safe and protected and fulfilled because of you. That's what manhood is. That's what it is. Manhood is about uh, duty to your community, honor to your family, and a sense of, I don't know, being in tune with the people around you who might need you. That's what manhood is. That's what our fathers wanted to be. Because they wanted to cry. And sometimes they might, they probably did. So I would like to say to Giannis, to KD, to uh, RJ Barrett, to Zion Williamson, thank you. Thank you for showing a generation of boys that it's okay to be vulnerable. That it's completely okay to show the world that you too are a human being and not some mythical mystic figure that never has an emotion. Remember, I didn't say never has a weak moment because crying is not a weak moment, it's just a moment. All right, Avion Crockett's here. We're talking church, we're talking hip hop. I didn't ask him to dance, although I should have. Only one impression, it wasn't about the impressions, but it was still funny. Pop some pills, let's get to it. White people in the room, clap for Avion Crockett. Thank you, white people. Let me tell you, this is a very talented, very important brother. I'll tell you why. Um, Shit, tell me why. Consistency and longevity, my brother. I'll take it. These things are very, very important. I'll take it. I've been seeing your face since back when I didn't even know that I wanted to move to Los Angeles. So oh, it's wow. been a long, long time you've been doing your thing, man. Yeah, man. It's a blessing to be here and to, to, to still be here. You know what I mean? All right. As vibrant and relevant as ever. Now, we were talking about you moving out to the Valley. Right. Um, like, people don't understand the difference in the L.A. scene in terms of the Valley and across the 101, but a lot of people move to the Valley now. Like, you, you yeah. never wanted to do the Beverly Hills, West Hollywood thing? Nah. Um, I mean, Beverly Hills, you know, if I got that kind of bread, yeah. then I'll, I'll splurge on a <laughs> $30 million house, but I haven't struck oil yet. You right, know what I, I mean? You. So, yeah. um, West Hollywood is, is too congested. Like, I don't like mm -hmm. places in L.A. where people can't park if they want to come visit me. Or yeah. it's like, you know, zoned out signs and all Damn, that. Like you don't like that many places in LA then. The parking the valley, is ridiculous. The, but the valley, no, nah, the parking in the valley is is pretty sweet. That really? Yeah. Where do you live? What part of town? I live in downtown LA. That's your problem. That's <laughs> right. downtown LA is the worst. Yeah. Outside of uh, West Hollywood, you right. know what I mean? Downtown is is so many signs. Like you could park, like most places in LA. Sunday you get free. Right. Like they observe the. Everyone's Lord. Right. right? <laughs> and they give you free parking. Downtown LA, 
No Lord. No Lord. You paying every day. Atheist parking. All day. In downtown Every day. LA. Every single day. And it, then it, you can park here from 1.30 to 1.36. Mm-hmm. And then you can't get towed <laughs> after at 137. Like, there's just so many different signs. So. You know what's funny is we're having this conversation. There's people from other parts of the country, and they're like, why are these niggas talking about parking for so long? <laughs> and I remember when I was first coming out here, my boy Tommy, who I stayed with for about six weeks before I moved to L.A., he told me, he was like, listen, well, this is when I come home. Me and Barb, his wife, Barb, so you know they're white. He's like, like, uh, like, he's like, we switch up in how she's gonna park here, and then I'm gonna park here, and then I'll go move the car so that she doesn't have to find street parking. And I was thinking to myself, yo, all of this over where y'all gonna park the cars? Why don't you just park the car? Right. And then you get here, and you realize just how much parking influences your life in Los Angeles. It's a big thing, bro. It influences if you're going out to an event that you've yep. been invited to. Mm-hmm. It influences, you know, going on a date. Yep. And yeah. like, I try to choose places that have free parking or close parking. <laughs> I really do. Like, I don't want to pay valet $18. I don't mm-hmm. want to pay whatever, like, parking structure parking. Like, give me a restaurant that has a lot. Yeah, that's tough. Like, Sunset Plaza is beautiful. Right. That is true. Because it's <laughs> levels of parking. It is levels of parking. But to, but also, is is like, we got to get off this. We, we, like, I, I, I have so much to say about parking, I won't be able to talk to this brother about anything else. Yeah, fuck parking. Yeah, fuck parking. We are, we are, we are off of this fucking parking thing, because we could talk about that all day. I do want to say this, though. I was in a $30 million a house a couple of days ago. Oh, I was in a few of them. <laughs> Don't own any. Right. So what, what house was you in? Uh, and why? Went to a party um, following the movie premiere. Was there cocaine? No, no cocaine. These are great people. These okay, were such okay. amazing, great. Not that you, you know, it means that you're a bad person if you do cocaine. That you're not at all. No. But uh, amazing people went to a movie premiere. Went after premiere. Went to the home of the filmmaker, and a thirty million dollar house in Beverly Hills is a thirty million dollar house in Beverly Hills. It was fucking ridiculous. It These looked are, like a mall. Oh my god, bro! It looked like. It was a Bond villain. Like I expected oh, wow. a hairless cat to run out there. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. it's like a it's a whole thing. And you think that's a lot of wealth, man. Yeah. Do you have in your career you've done so much, do you still have designs? Do you have designs on that type of wealth? Hell yeah. You want to be super filthy rich. I don't want to be that because I, I feel like you you detach from life and at some point you can't spend it all. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have a I just have a mentality of, and some people would call it socialism. I call it my pre-philanthropist mind. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, th- to have nine yachts and yet there's homeless tents mm-hmm. all around town, I, I feel like there, there should be a little more balance. Yeah, That's true. All. That's my own opinion. But yeah. no, I, no, you know what's funny about that? Like, I live downtown, and when I'm getting to where I live, every single day of the week, every day, I drive right down 6th Street, right through Skid Row. Every yeah. single day. And in the Arch District is literally three blocks away. It's five minutes. Yeah. It's like it's it's five minutes. Uh, if you're running, because I jog, if in a car, it's not even that. And to and in the Arch the Arch District is perfectly clean. It's beautiful. Perfectly beautiful. Yeah. All of that nice restaurants, all of that. And then literally three blocks over, there's a tent city. Bro. And you wonder what type of situation are we living in that where those two things can exist in such close proximity to one another? Exactly. I think there's, you know, 
to, to have that type of wealth to be able to own mm -hmm. a $30 million house. And again, I'm not trying to say. Oh, these are, I, and by the way, these are the nicest people I've ever, these are some of the nicest people. So if I, I'm like, just talking about me. Right. You wouldn't want I, the $30 I million. Would, if, I, if I had that type of wealth, uh -huh. I would do more philanthropy right. towards the homeless and, right. and purchasing a hotel and turn that into some type of, you know, mm -hmm. boarding house or, you know, a house where they can have help and, get health care within the in that community and and get their life turned around right you know what i mean that that gets us to what we're talking about we're there's a specific reason why you reached out and why well not you reached out we had been in conversation yeah we've been we've been in conversation we i always say this when we talk you and i have been organic with right. each other in hollywood you know you know how it is it's, yeah. it's motherfuckers trying to get trying to come up in some kind of way right like i want to be on your next show or, mm -hmm. or what can you do for me? Can you get me tickets to a concert? Whatever the fuck it is. Right. You and I have seen each other at the most random places. Yeah. Boxing matches, a, a mutual friend's wedding. wedding. Yeah. And it was just cool. It's always love. And then I saw you, I saw, I, I was watching your podcast, which for, again, I wanted to be on the podcast because most interviews that I do as a comedian, they always want me to be funny mm -hmm. or they go for the little pun or the, the you know, the, the clickbait type of yeah. headline. Mm -hmm. Me talking shit about somebody, doing an impression of somebody. You get to the grit of real conversation and that's why I respected I it and I wanted to come down and just have a conversation with you. When I saw you talk, I saw you talk to D-Ray. Right. Specifically, um, and I, I, D-Ray's my brother and I loved how real he was. Right. And how, how much of a platform he was able to have just to talk about everything from his relationships to hit where he ranks himself in comedians and all mm -hmm. of that. Then I saw you talking to Natalie. Yeah. Natalie uh, Manuel. Beautiful um, soul. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's fam. Mm -hmm. And then I heard your church story mm. and your, your dilemma and your, your struggle internally with feeling good enough mm -hmm. to be in church or to serve God or whatever. Yeah. And when I heard you talking, I said, mm, he sounds like me when I first got saved tell me about that when i first well you've been, you've been first of all take people back throughout your career like what it is how it is how things blew for you and then lead that into the fame and how uh because all of that matters right for sure all of that matters i mean you don't have to go through your entire life history but just tell people about your personal journey with that but also just you know yeah, yeah so my um my journey started just from watching tv mm -hmm. watching all the greats eddie murphy I mean, film, Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, the, the whole Wayans family in Living Color, yeah. Jim Carrey, um, SNL, Chris Farley, you know, just watching that and saying, man, I wish I could do that. Right. And having the opportunity when Def Comedy Jam was a real, like, that was, you know, one of the other pillars in black comedy, for one. When I saw that and I got on the show, that, that began my journey. That was my, it began my entertainment journey, but uh, around that same time, I had just got saved so i'm gonna tell parallel stories here sure. right um, personally i grew up catholic my mom is from trinidad and tobago so that's the 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 religion of choice there at some point i just didn't get it right it was a bunch of stories about and and the lord said to the disciples you didn't get christianity or catholicism i didn't get anything right i, I didn't i didn't get the purpose of going to church like the connection that you're supposed to have with you know, feeding your soul and your spirit. Mm -hmm. I just didn't get it. I was bored. I was sitting in the church and I just heard people saying, ha, 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 ha. Right. You know, we're standing right. and we're sitting <laughs> and we're kneeling and I just did not get it. And so at one point in my teens, 
I didn't even believe in God because I didn't even know who he was. I didn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. So I left the church uh, for like three years and broke my mom's heart and, and whatever. Then I met my biological father, and he was a born-again Christian. And when I first went to visit him, he How was How like old were you when you met your biological father? 17. Okay. For the first time? First time ever meeting him. Wow. Uh, and I went to visit him, you know, and he was like, well, out of respect for the household, when you come to visit us, we're going to go to church on Sunday morning. I'm like, here we go again with this, yeah, you know, yeah, this yeah. church thing. People yeah. forcing church on me. Right. And so I started going to church with him. <clears throat> and for the first time, I started to now hear a, a preacher who didn't know me. And he would say things that was directly connected to my life. And I'm mm -hmm. like, this motherfucker doesn't know me. Yeah. How is he so accurate right. every week? And this went on for like two months. And so finally, I was just like, okay, it doesn't take me long to realize this guy's not psychic. He's not a magician. All right, God, you are real. Maybe you're trying to talk to me because these messages are so dialed in. Right. And... And so I got saved, but at the time, I didn't understand what it meant to get saved. I didn't understand what it meant to be a Christian. So having entertainment aspirations, yet being in this church world where they're saying entertainment is the devil's business. Mm -hmm. And, and so, entertainment saying that the, the church stuff is corny and plain and will stop you from being out there the way you need to be. The town, you get two different messages. The, 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 the church is telling you that Hollywood is evil and Hollywood is telling you that the church is backwards. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm literally walking the tightrope between, I, I felt like I was living a double life. Mm -hmm. So when I, I would be in church, and that's when I started to feel how you say you feel or felt. Right. I would be in church trying to impress these Christian people who I see catching the Holy Spirit and falling out and speaking in tongues and doing all of that stuff. And it was a great show. Right. Until I learned that they were really fucked up people. Mm. And all of that Holy Ghost and falling out, I started to put two and two together. I was like, wait a second, there's a there's a homeless guy right outside this building. Right. So you're we're in the building and you're saying the power of God just fell on this place. If the power of God, who's the biggest omnipotent, omnipotent, yeah, reachable, you know, if the power of actual God fell on this building and all these people are falling out, why is the homeless man still sick and he just sleeping? He chilling. Right. Right outside the building. Mm -hmm. It didn't make sense to me. Or even like the sound man. Like they have sound boards and stuff and, and they'll be they'll hire independent companies to come in and, and work the sound. Mm -hmm. I would look at that too and say, well, the sound dude, he ain't fall out. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he just calmly... <laughs> Calmly moving the button. <laughs> Sliding. <laughs> so part of me started to say, this shit is a show. Right. This mm. is a show and they're not really representing God. Right. And and I but for years, bro, I judged and judged myself and felt uncomfortable. Until I when I moved to LA, I started going to a uh what do you what we would call one of the the uh, the Hollywood churches, yes. the big fame churches, sure. TV, you know. A lot of them out here. A lot of them. Yeah. You got security guards and, you know, right. big offerings. Mm -hmm. um, but God told me, he said, you came out to L.A. for a reason. Don't get in this church and lose yourself. He said, so go in your hip-hop gear, go in your jean jacket, go with your hat to the back, go with your shorts. He said, don't start putting on no suit. And I, I, I distinctly recall feeling that and hearing that from God. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, it, it, was, it was the thing that, that made people 
who like deacons and ushers, they would pull me aside and be like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm actually, I relate to what you're doing, man. I'm, I'm more like you. Like, I'm just wearing this suit because we in church. Yeah. You, know what I'm saying? But, you know, I like, to, I like Jay-Z too. I like rap. <laughs> I like to dance. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, like, right, right. So they would be trying to relate to me because they felt like they were in bondage. Mm-hmm. And my, my freedom of being myself. And then at the time I started to work a little more so they knew my face. Right. So they would sit me in the front row yeah. in my jeans and shorts. Mm-hmm. And, and next to everybody in suits. So I was in my hip hop gear, I was still respected, as respected as the people in the suits. And then at some point, I started doing a youth show, like a ministry show. But mm-hmm. it, wasn't, it, was, it was ministry, but in my vernacular. Right. I was able to talk to them. It was kind of like me doing stand up, but in a way that was very relevant to the church. Right. You know what I mean? And then it, we had like talent show. Like it was like Showtime at the Apollo, right. but at the Palladium right. for, for the church. Um, so I say all that to say, I had to learn that no one has it figured out. Mm-hmm. And you just have to be who you are. And this, the judgment that I feel that, that you feel mm-hmm. is because you've listened to or you've watched church people just act perfect. Yeah. That's that's literally as simple as that. What you're feeling is because you were taught what Christianity is in the wrong way. And people fronted for you. Church is the original Instagram. Mm. It's the original filter. It's the filter life. Everybody is fronting. It ain't really what you see. Mm. All them suits, all them dresses, all them fancy hats, all them the cologne, the perfume, the speaking in tongues. <clears throat> It's not real. I'm not saying everybody, right? But it's if you feel condemned by it and they don't bring you in with love mm-hmm. and just say, "Oh, don't worry about my suit." Like I, I wear the suit because I like suits. But you cool with the the camouflage shirt on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on in, Van. Come as you are. Right. That's what the spirit should say. Mm. If it's always a finger wag and you need to be doing this and God is saying that you need to be well, God says that I should hear His voice for myself. So right. why? Why are you telling me what God is saying when I have God in my spirit also? And we are two different people. So why is the word that he's giving you, why are you trying to project it onto me? Mm -hmm. So you got to realize that people in church take their own fears and their own limitations and they try to project it onto you because they want to see you do what they're doing in a limited way. They, they, They feel better about themselves if they can limit you. Hmm. See, everything that you're saying, it strikes a chord. I think sometimes what I struggle with is that, so in 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 every aspect of my life, I try to set standards, right? Right. So I, I'm always as good as I can be at something. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I get obsessed about different things <clears throat> because if I decide that I'm going to do something, I normally put the requisite time in to be pr- proficient at it, right? So when I think about Christianity or when I think about um, being a follower, a servant of God, I think about a standard. And the reason why I think about a standard is because the way I've always understood it, you know, I'm from Louisiana. Right. The way I've always understood it is that there's a life uh, that you have to leave that has to be exemplary of what salvation means to someone, right? Because... If you're going to be, we're talking about the greatest stakes in the world. And we, there's so many smaller things that we discuss every single day. But when we, we talk about what God has designed for the world, we're talking about 
life and death, eternity and damnation, but more importantly, grace and love, which mm-hmm. people search for their entire lives and mm-hmm. some of them never get it. Right. Some people live entire existences without grace and love, right? Mm-hmm. Then they don't they don't understand it, they don't have it, they don't get it. Um and my dad would say something. And my dad would say the way that you show that you love God is through discipline. God is asking you for fellowship. He's he's hoping that you will fellowship with him. And in the hope that you will fellowship, he's asking you not to do a couple of things. I remember my dad told me, have you ever told a small lie? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. He would go, at the moment that you told that lie, you chose that lie over God. And man, when you hear stuff like that, when you're like five or six years old, it makes you really take a step back from the entire thing because I go, how in the world could you ever choose anything over God? You could like, how in the world could you ever choose anything over God? But we do it every single day. And for, and I I understand repentance and I know that we're all broken and we're all, and nobody's perfect. But I start to think, Whereas, I remember I was working with a trainer, and um, we're, we're training basketball, and we're doing all of these things, and I see these guys come in, and they start jumping, and they dunking. And I look at the trainer, and I say, yo, am, am I ever going to be able to do that off two feet like they're doing it? And he says, no, nah, I can't make you dunk like them, but as I can make you better at it. So my whole life is not a search for perfection. It's a search to get better at something, right? I right. just want to be better at the things that I'm doing. But sometimes it seems like the stakes are so high here that either you're in it or you're not. Well, in listening to what you just said, hopefully I can help in this way. Sure. Because I, I, I do want to, not that I need to help you, right? I'll but I, you some I, help, brother. But I do want to just paint a different picture sure. so that you can maybe see it a different way. Mm-hmm. First, the thing you said, I, I respect the the reverence that you have for your dad, so, yeah. and I understand how that could be. I understand now how that can get in you. He also once told me, quick story, I was ironing. I'm sure I've told this story on the podcast before. I'm ironing with an iron. I'm trying to help my mom. I'm trying to iron so she doesn't have to iron, but I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing this. Iron falls on the carpet, burns an iron print into the carpet. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad comes in, he sees the iron print in the coffee, he says, what happened? And I said, I was just trying to iron to help mom, thinking that there will be some sort of, oh, son, it's okay, you're just trying to right. help your mother, you made a mistake. He goes, you know what that is? I was like, what? He says, that's Satan's hoof print. <laughs> I remember now, I'm eight years old. And he says, you ain't here doing some shit you ain't supposed to be doing. And that was the <laughs> devil that made you pick up that iron, and you know you all fucked up. And so... It's not like we have money to get, go get that fixed. So imagine playing Nintendo, and you look over, and every time you try to relax in your room, you see the footprint of the devil right there. That's a lot to take in. <laughs> I, I will take the journey with you so, on so that So my one. pops is very, he, he's, he, he wants to raise good people. No disrespect, but your pops is extreme as fuck. <laughs> 
Those two stories, yes. The first one, I was just like, okay, the, the small lie, I understand it. Mm-hmm. And I had a good analogy I was going to give you right. to make it all better. But when you went to the devil's hook, <laughs> I was like, okay, your dad is a, is a motherfucker. Yeah, he is. He is. He is. He, he's extreme. Yeah. 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 Um, so... Uh, you're going to need therapy for that one. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't undo what your, what your pops did. but Love him to death. He's a good man. Of course. Of yeah. course. But look, when it comes to small lies, first of all, the hoof print, your dad <laughs> didn't choose love in that moment. He mm-hmm. didn't choose to see that you were, it's not that you weren't supposed to be doing that. Mm-hmm. You were acting out of love to help your mom. Yeah. God would honor that. You know what I mean? Yeah. The small lie situation. Let's say you're in a relationship, right? Your girl is your priority. She wants you to come home. Um, you tell her after work, you come straight home to her, right? Mm-hmm. You stop off at a bookstore because you really want to read this this caption, this book that really does something for you. Yeah. But you don't even you don't mention it to her because right. it's just something about you. You feel maybe embarrassed that you may, maybe she looks at you like a nerd or whatever, right? And you just don't tell her about stopping. Or you prideful. You don't feel like you need to. You don't want to be checking in or whatever it is. Facts. Yeah. Right. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Is that a is that a white lie? Is that is that something that violated your relationship? I think not. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and then going back to what you said about um, the standard that you feel like you have to live up to. To be a Christian, mm-hmm. right? Understand, and look, I'm not a Bible scholar by any means, but the way I understand Christ and his example was when he was walking the earth and he was here and he was trying to tell people, look, I'm God, I'm, I'm the son of God, I'm mm-hmm. through me is how you get saved and, mm-hmm. and eternal salvation and the whole nine. But he did that with love. He did that with relatability. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the church people who were trying to put the rules and the standards on him. You can't heal people on, on a Thursday. It's throwback Thursday. You can't be healing on a Thursday. It's TBT. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. And he's like, I'm the son of God. I can do what I want. Right. It's not about the rules. Mm-hmm. It's not about the standards. Y'all serve me. What are you, who, are you, who are you to tell me? Right. He would go and hang out with the tax collectors and the sinners at the party, at the club. Jesus was at the club. Mm. Jesus was at the club. Right. He was at Sayers. <laughs> Are you saying that Jesus is D-Ray Davis? Jesus is D-Ray, <laughs> who actually did play Jesus in a sketch we, we, we wrote uh, on uh, MTV. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah, I get it. He, 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 and when they questioned him when he was at, they said, why, why are you hanging out with these people? Mm-hmm. And he said, I didn't come to heal the healed. I came to heal the sick. Mm. So... You're just a product of a lot of standards and ideals that were taught to you erroneously. Why do you feel like people feel so far away? What do you mean? I feel like there's a lot of people that when you see people lash out against the church, it, it comes from in an internal feeling that it's something either artificial or um, Everyone's insecure. unattainable. Yeah. Everyone is insecure and they... And they put on a mask to front like they know it all. Here's how I describe church. Church to me is like if someone got shot and they went to the emergency room and they walk in, they see all these doctors with with the white coats and you are looking at these guys and and women with the white coats to help you get over your injury and heal you. Mm -hmm. Right. Instead of taking you in and doing surgery and acknowledging, oh, you got shot. Let me have compassion on you. Let me do my job and and do what I know to do to help you heal. Mm -hmm. What the church does, you come in wounded with this bullet wound. 
They'll say, don't come in here with that. Don't be bleeding all over this floor. Mm. Put on this, this white coat and pretend like you're one of us and look more like us. Put this white coat on and act like you have it all together. Don't act like you're wounded. So if you come into a church addicted to porn, if you used to be a prostitute, a mm-hmm. drug addict, uh, whatever, whatever your thing is, church, even though the word says come as you are, the church people judge the shit out of you. Mm. You come in with dirty sneakers, they're looking at you sideways. You come in with jeans on, they, they're looking at you sideways because you're supposed to be, have on a suit like us. Mm-hmm. So here you are, the, the, the bullet wound person in, in the hospital, you have on this white coat, the bullet wound is never healed, and now you're bleeding through the white coat. You have spots on the white coat. Right. You know what I mean? You're starting to show, and no one's doing anything to help you. That's my ideal of church. Like, there's all these people walking around with these suits on and these dresses on, faking like they got it all together, like they're the physician, mm-hmm. like they're the ultimate healer, right. and they're all broken mm-hmm. and trying to project perfection onto you and other people, and it's bullshit. Do you believe, what function, do you <clears throat> attend church now? No. Do, what fun- I, I attend Bible study every now and then. But, Bible study? Yeah, yeah. Now, what, do you believe that there is a function that church serves? I do. There, there is a fellowship to it, but I don't think that it, I don't think that it has to be every week. I don't believe that at all. I, I believe I believe people go to church every week. A lot of times it's to serve the business of the church. Mm. To get them, on that. To get them offerings. The offerings and tithes and all. Like they they schedule church every week to get money. Mm. That's my belief. Because why why would I go to church every Sunday? And hear a dope message, right? I hear a great message on Sunday. When do I have time to act that out and to perfect what I just heard? When I'm going back a week later and hearing a whole nother message. And then a week after that, a whole nother message. When am I acting these messages out? When am I putting them into play? At what point do I actually make it practical to do the message that that I heard the one Sunday? So for me, I feel like church is unconventional. Jesus didn't gather once a week or every he did it as he as the anointing led him and he he traveled with it you know right. what i mean he wasn't in one building one place all the time so i just feel like church is it's a business do you feel like the non-profit do you feel like the the um the sort of uh do you feel like church is working for christianity right now uh, and what i mean is i mean not even just christianity but i feel like there is a gravitation towards a more secular way of life right now um, and I think that has to do with a lot of people feeling, uh, like I said before, a little alienated um, from things. There are people that, um, you know, when you're around uh, someone who really has an anointing on them, right? You feel a conviction, and like you, you, you feel a, you feel. First of all, you feel their true anointing. That's the first thing. It's impossible not to feel it when you're around. When you're uh, when you're around just a good human being, right. you're like, man, this is a great person. For and, when, sure. and when you're around a person that's really in touch with their God, no matter which God it is that they serve, you're like, man, their skin looks clear. <laughs> they seem they seem so resolute and certain. They get that Jesus moisturizer. Well, yeah, the, the whole deal. They seem, and that it it it's 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 good to be around. But if you can't access it it can be alienating yeah but that's why and look i'm not trying to come off like i'm bashing church i get it but what i am saying we just talking brother yeah i feel like it it 
has more people feeling like you do than it does what people should be feeling. How would you how would you have uh, religious people, spiritual people fellowship together? What would be what would you say? I would I would kick it. I would do we can go to the beach, kick it around a fire, we could we could meet at the crib. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whenever we feel it, whenever we need it. Get on a group chat. Like let it let it be more relevant. I don't I don't I don't I feel like tradition Ritual. Ritual is locked into a certain time or an era. And I feel like it gets more and more irrelevant as we as time changes. Like hmm. we got we got cell phones that, that are renewed every six months and there's a new phone. You know what I mean? Like society is speeding up and moving forward. Right. It's so a it's, different it's less um, important for everyone to get to one, together at every central at a central location every single week or a couple of days because we say every week, but when I was growing up it wasn't every week. It was Sunday and then it was Wednesday for worship and then it was a Bible study and then you, you know it what was I mean? all week. Yeah, it was all week. Yeah, it's too much. I believe. Yeah, and it's not organic. It's forced. So even if the you know they say in the word uh, the Sabbath day is for resting, but yet we go to church and be working all day. You you're, you're working. <laughs> right. Uh, church is work. It ain't. Yeah. It ain't rest. Yeah. So if we really observe the Sabbath. Everyone would stay home, mm. and fellowship with your family. So that's the thing. A lot of people are running behind the church and trying to please the church, and their own family is breaking up because you're not. You know, mm-hmm. you're trying to serve and do all of this for the man of God and the woman of God. And your son just wants you to play catch with him. Mm. Your daughter just wants you to watch her get ready for her ballet recital or whatever, her computer science test. Mm-hmm. She wants you to help her with that. Mm. I, I feel like we just, you know, the, the, the church world is full of a lot of people that, that are chasing a presented carrot. Mm. And it keeps getting dangled and, and snatched away. And it's almost like... There's a slight brainwashing in, all right, well, since you sinned all week, you got to pay some money to get rid of that sin. Wow. Like you, that. You got to, that's what it is. I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm asking, yeah, no. Yeah, I'm you, that's yeah. what it, that's what it, it becomes, the, the, you know, and again, not every church does it. Yeah. But what I've noticed in some of the more popular churches is like, if you, if you want to receive this word, you got to sow into it. Mm. What? If you want this blessing on your life, you got to put money into this. What? What are you talking about? Yeah. Or to how dare you name a denomination? God is telling me that I need I need eight people to give a thousand dollars. Yo, I love that though. That's so hilarious what to me. In like, fuck's like, name. It, it, like that, that I was in a church in Dallas, nineteen eighty-nine. I never forget this. And the guy walks out there and there's the organ. Dun! <laughs> and like before I even get started tonight. God told me somebody got a hundred dollar bill in this audience, and them people lost their. <laughs> my mom was like, "What? Them people lost their minds digging to the bottom of their purses for a hundred dollars." This was not a rich community. God told me somebody got a hundred dollar bill. Woman put a hundred dollar bill up, put it in the collection plate. I'm like, "Is that easy?" Bro. You know what I mean? And by the way, I'm not saying. Listen, I don't know the rules. I know that the Bible is a book of prosperity. It's a book of upper mobility. It's a book that tries to give you the best life. And part of that is financial. I don't know the rules. Part. Part of it's financial. <laughs> part. I don't, I, I don't but, know the rules. But I, what I do know is that what's his face? Uh, the dude who bought Tyler Perry's jet. Mm, Did you see that? No. Was Maddie here? Did y'all see this? There's a, there's a, there's a preacher um, and he bought Tyler Perry's jet. 
Jump on the computer for me real quick. Do you know how to work it? Is it is it Creflo? Who it's is not it? Creflo. Shout out to Creflo. Shout Creflo. out to Creflo. Creflo doing this thing. Nah, is the um you you know the guy right away. Uh, and they called him. He, he was talking about buying Tyler Perry's jet. I think the jet was, I don't know, some Kenneth Copeland. Oh, we're gonna get back into a little bit more with Atheon in a second. But right now, nightmares are coming home. A powerful, mysterious, and socially provocative film, Us, is the latest silver screen nightmare from Academy Award winner Jordan Peele. I said silver scream. It's screen. It is a silver scream as well. The movie was frightening. Uh, starring Oscar winner Lupita Nyong'o and Black Panthers Wilson, Winston Duke, the homie, as an endearing uh, American family pitted against a terrifying and uncanny opponent themselves. Now you can experience us at home and dive into revealing, revealing bonus features to untether the truth of us. Available on digital now and on 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray, and DVD on June 18th. Get it before your tethered gets any ideas. From Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. That is us. Saw us in the theater. It was fantastic. It was like church in there. So let's get back to Avion Crocker telling us why church is whack. <laughs> I, I get that there's option, opulence and wealth and all different types of things. I just wonder, based upon some of the input that I get from people, what is the best way to make people people feel spiritually whole. Like, what's the best way, right? If it, it was always taught to me that there needed to be a specific building where we could get in and all have tabs on one another and know who needed help and know uh, how we can come together and, and, and how we can fellowship and evangelize and stuff like that. If that is not the church home, then what is that? Um, you saying what is that building? What is that meeting? No, place? what is that like? Are you saying if if we're not meeting there, how do you get the word out? Let me let me. I'll just use my example. Okay. Two weeks ago, I'm at the El Rey at a concert, right? Mm -hmm. And this drunk girl, she was a fan, but mm -hmm. she was she was clearly drunk, and she was trying to get me to drink. She was like, "Why are you not drinking? Why you don't have a drink in your hand?" I was like, "I, I don't drink." Mm -hmm. And we got into this long conversation about why I don't drink. Right. I saw alcoholism in my family, ruining my family's life. Right to this day, it's still. Is a is a, a looming issue in my my family's life, and she went into this story about about how she lost her mom and little sister in a fire, and how she started drinking because of that. And I was just ministering to her. I was like, you know, I, I'm I'm sorry that you lost your mom and your sister, and you don't have to be like me. If you want to drink, you can drink. I said, just find what works for you, and if you want to drink less, and that gives you more of a clear mind, then great. And she started crying like she just was like. She felt what I was saying to her, and I was me ministering out of love. I didn't, I didn't know this girl. Right. I had nothing to gain from talking to her. Um, I just felt like that was the moment. I needed to talk. This weekend in Miami, I did a talk. Um, we were talking about financial management. I did. It was me on a panel talking about financial management in the industry, and I just started talking about God. And people in the, in the room were ministered by my story. And so for me, it's... Wherever the Holy Ghost leads you to do it, it doesn't have to be in a, in a set place all the time. Again, I'm not saying that set places aren't aren't bad. I'm not I'm not against structure because I live a very structured life. Right. But I I feel like the church model as we know it today is less effective than it is effective. Mm. It's it's just the tradition of it. They're trying to hold more on to the tradition as to 
what it's really saying. Like, now, when did you start to believe this? Because you you get saved, you start going to church. At what point do you start think? Do you start seeing this isn't quite what I thought, or this isn't? What point did you adopt your current views on church? What you? Um, it was it was over a collective of years. You know what I mean? But within the first year of the first church I was going to, this is back in North Carolina, and you start to just the same people you see speaking in tongues and, and falling out and that you think have the power of God and and I felt inferior to so-and-so sleeping with this one's wife who's mm. sitting right next to them. This one has an illegitimate kid from this chick. Like, this one's a drug addict. This one's a this and a that. Which, I don't judge any of that. Sure. If you're real about it and you're you know you for, you're forthcoming about your struggles. But if you in here... And, and when I first got there, they were always telling me, all of them was telling me how I need to be doing this and I need to be giving my heart to the Lord. And, and I'm a dancer. I remember one time one dude was telling me, oh, man, you can't be dancing to that hip hop music because the, the spirit of that hip hop music is, is making you do other things. And then I come to find out he was walking around telling girls, God is telling me that your body is, is mine and that I need man. to put my hands on it and blessing it. And he was before me too and all that. He was doing that in the church. Right. So I was like, man, these motherfuckers don't know what they talking about. They fronting. <laughs> right. I'm going to just be me because right. I know I feel like God made me a whole person, a loving person. And if I know in my heart of hearts, me creating art or me hanging out with the homies, if I know I'm not intentionally doing nothing crazy, mm -hmm. I'm going to live my life. And God honors that. Right. It's as simple as that. It don't have to be all rain coming down and the lightning mm -hmm. and my hands are raised and there's violins and harps playing. It don't have to be all of that. Right. It just doesn't. Is there any point in your life where you feel like your devotion to your spirituality has cost you anything professionally? No. I know I, you hear that a lot. I can, I can live with that. I can live with whatever, whatever choices I made to follow my spirituality. Mm -hmm. And for example, um, I, I get, scripts all the time and sometimes they deal in the supernatural and in and something really demonic i i kindly just decline those won't do it i won't do it like a like a uh the conjuring uh none of that no nah, because there's power the power of life and death is in the tongue so i do believe that we we have whatever we say whether it's good or bad you know what i mean mm -hmm. whatever you speak you'll you'll produce it if you look at um, Genesis in the Bible, God spoke the world into existence. And whether you believe it as li literal or parable, mm -hmm. he spoke the, wor the world into existence. He said, let the skies and the waters join and let the birds of the air. He spoke all of that. He didn't put on a jumpsuit and work boots and, <laughs> and gloves right. and, and go build the mountains and go build the oceans. He didn't do that. All he right. spoke it. So I think he was giving us the example that you can literally speak your world into existence mm -hmm. with your words. So I feel like if I'm, if I'm taking on too many projects where my verbals is giving, you know, yeah. giving it up to the devil and, or, or spirituality or just whatever, something corrupt that my, my soul and my spirit doesn't feel is right for me, mm -hmm. then I'm not going to do it. You now, know, I'm not going to anyone else that does it, mm -hmm. but I got to do what's right for me. I think of a specific case. Jim Caviezel. You know who he is? Yeah. So Jim Caviezel... Uh, Play Jesus and the Passion of the Christ, and is very devout. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember 
working on a movie back in Baton Rouge. Jim Caviezel has been in a, a lot of other movies as well. He was uh, played Jesus in the Passion of the Christ. He was in the Count of Monte Cristo. Mm -hmm. He was in Deja Vu. He's done a lot of work. He's done a lot of work. And I think he was just on one of those NCIS. Mm -hmm. No, it was like a Numbers or something like that. He's, he, was, he was, at one point, the star of the biggest movie in the world. Yeah. Uh, like, and, and so Passion he, of the Christ. Yeah, like, so the, the, the thing was, I remember even being back in Louisiana, and they were going, there were people out there, we were working on a movie, <clears throat> and they were like, they were like his career's not going to go very far after, th after that. Mm -hmm. I was like, why? And they said, Jesus freak. And I was like, what? It's like he, they said that Jim, um, for whatever reason, and I don't know him, I've never met him, but he would be on set trying to minister people talk to people talking about God and that it was rubbing people the wrong way. He thought he was Jesus. Well, <laughs> he, he was a method actor. Right. He, he, um, he went in. Right. And, and you know, and that, and, and they were like, you know, uh, if you're going to be out there in Hollywood, um, it's very hard to be proud of being, uh, of loving God and be successful at the same time. Right. Do you, have you found at all that that's been your experience? No, because I don't force it on people. I, I, Though even the Bible says we are to be like a fragrance and not an odor. Mm. So, you know your word, don't you? Like yeah, I'm like, not you, a like, like, like you, like you. <laughs> I'm not a scholar, but I know what I know. Right? Yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. man. So it's like this, right? If I'm if I come up to you and I stink, mm -hmm. you're gonna be like, I don't, I don't want to be near him. Yeah. You know what I mean, if I got a, a cologne on that, you're like, yo, that, what is that? Mm -hmm. I want to know what you have. Like, what is? That's how Christianity should be. So if you see me in my demeanor and I'm and I feel my energy feels good. And you were like, man, what is it about you that's different? Like you said, sometimes you're around certain people mm -hmm. that have the anointing and you want to know. Like you, you want what they got. You want what they got. So I don't, I don't force nothing on, on anybody. And I try to just be relatable. That's it. What works for me works for me. And I'm, I'm cool in my corner doing that. And it's not until like this conversation afforded itself mm -hmm. and you're, you're open to it. Sure, we can have a conversation. I'm, I'm down to have a conversation with you. But I ain't here to force nobody into nothing. I love, I got Muslim friends. I got, I got Buddhist friends. Like, we good. Yeah. We, we are all good. I don't, I don't judge nobody. I don't, you know, say that there's a wrong way or right way. Going back to the word. If you have not love, none of these gifts and, and, and accolades mean anything. Mm. You just got to have love in your heart and really, really, you know, approach people with that. And you don't, and like, was there ever a time where you got caught up? You out here... Your face is on the TV. Um, you're, 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 you're doing all of this stuff. You're having success. Was there ever a time where you lost it for a little while? You got caught up. You, 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 in what you, way? I mean, just like in the, in the, from the Hollywood scene, you fell away. You slipped away from... I mean, yeah, there's... there's I'm, a, I'm a man who has had access. Right. You know what I mean? And my, my, my struggle is women. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Women in sweets. That's what I say. My vices women, are. Well, women in sweets. Yeah. Women in cupcakes. <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I've never done any of that. Right. Uh, it's just not my thing. Mm -hmm. And it's been offered to me, but I'm just like, nah, I'm good. Right. So, yeah, my, my version of, of getting caught up, most men would say, yeah, it's kind of normal. You yeah. know, you just date a few women here and there, and, and that's my thing. But never i've never strayed too far away from my path or or from my my sanity mm -hmm. out here yeah, but even with the women do you ever you ever catch yourself and I'm like i'm wilding too much oh for sure <laughs> so yeah for i'm, I'm sure. wilding too much like it's you like yo. like you in toronto is banner weekend man and it's like 
And I'm, I'm half Trini too. It's right. Like, like you in Toronto, it's banner weekend, and you like, man, when I get back, I'm a I'm gonna I'm pray a little more. Yeah, you know, it's 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 Friday. I'll get back, you know, Tuesday, but when I get back, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna be- drop an offering in the plate this time. <laughs> I, I need to pay this one away. <laughs> um yeah. yeah, but it but it's you know, cause people cause another thing that happens is once you proclaim it, now people are looking to poke holes in it, right? Yeah. So what like so That's why you just gotta be quiet about it. Once you, gotta, you once you proclaim it, you once can't you can't wear the Bible t shirt all the time. You tell people you say, I love God, I am I am a Christian. I am trying to live my best life through worshiping and understanding not only my relationship with 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 God up in heaven, but my relationship with my fellow man. See, every every way that I feel in life is informed by the reality that there is a deity over us. For sure. And the reason why that is is because I think that there is a higher power that made a dynamic system of life. That we're all supposed to leave, live, and in that is morality, um, fairness, and equality. If I didn't think that, if I didn't really believe, sincerely believe, that there was something higher than this, I don't think that I could be a good person. Because if I thought that an X amount of time I was going to check out, and then after that there was eternal nothingness, right. and there was no one that I was going to have to answer for, I don't see how I wouldn't be a reckless hedonist. Right. Like it, to to me, I would. That's just what I would do. But now, when I'm concerned about, um, when I when I'm concerned about, uh, the the treatment of 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 our sisters, the treatment of of, of black, black people, people, the treatment of the indigenous people, the treatment. Well, I'm concerned about all of these things. Yeah. I'm concerned because I believe that these people are breaking the order of God. For sure. And 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 that bothers me. So. And I and I say all that um, that preamble to say with your atheist friends, mm-hmm. your friends that don't believe in God, because anyone that has a belief in a higher power has some sort of uh, compass. Most of the time, sometimes they don't. But I have a lot of friends who are the most brilliant, amazing, beautiful, dope people that I know that actually have no sort of religious background. How do you deal with them? Do you? Like, is it, I do don't. You, do yeah. you try it all to? No, I don't force anything. I deal with them as human beings. And my dad, get, like people back home, get on me about that. They go like, yeah, like, but, how can you? But that's that's judgment. That's judgment to say how can you consort with this, these types of people, bro? I, I give them love. That's it. Mm-hmm. I I sit down with them. We we chat. We don't even talk about God. Right. You know what I mean? But eventually, if it comes up, I'm I'll be happy to share. I remember, I remember Joyce Meyer. You know who Joyce Meyer is? Yeah. Joyce Meyer said her hairdresser for like 18 years, atheist. She said she just went in every week and just ch- chopped it up with her like homegirls and mm-hmm. just laughed and just maintained that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then one day the girl was finally like, I, I need help. I need I need to know what you know. And, and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm not here to save everybody. Jesus already saved the world. You know, right. uh, if you if you <clears throat> prescribe to that, if you are a Christian and you believe that 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 word, Jesus already saved the world. I'm not Jesus Junior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not Holy Ghost Junior. Right. So I don't have to save everybody, and and I can't. You cannot answer a question that's not being asked. So somebody's mm. like, I don't want what you want. You you can't force it on them. Right. If you want to know, great. I'll tell you my story and what works for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm not here to, to to change and force anybody to believe what I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm just here to spread love and to make sure that 
I'm doing my part in the in the humanity cycle. Mm-hmm. That's it. You're a comedian. I am. Easy question. Who's the funniest man to ever walk the face of the planet? <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's comedy is too subjective for there to be a goat. Then why, I, I hear these well, conversations. Then why do is there always a goat chosen then? If it's if it's too, if it's too think about this van. Uh-huh. We, we've had this conversation before about boxing. Right. We'll talk about in that. Real, every real category. Quick yeah. Right. There's only one category that me and my boy Jono have have determined that there's one name that is always named as the goat, and that's martial arts. Mm-hmm. As soon as you say martial arts, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Every other category is debatable. <laughs> Boxing. Right. Or may, maybe bodybuilding. We can give Schwarzenegger. He's like he's the known man. as that guy, right? Yeah. I'll, but you know what's funny? He's known as the most important bodybuilder of all time. If you ask these bodybuilders, it's just like it is like it's so you can't ask the, the, the people right, who are participating. Right. They always go, you know. Right. I'm sure Horace Grant thinks he's the greatest basketball <laughs> player to ever. You, you know <laughs> what? By played. the way, the, the greatest basketball player, if you want to know who the greatest basketball player is, all you gotta do is ask an old black guy because he'll name somebody you've never heard of mm-hmm. before. I know y'all heard about Michael Jordan. But Earl the Goat Manager. <laughs> But I tell you, it's a dude that went to high school with me, 1969, 70, 71. Jordan couldn't fucking touch him. And so, so, so I mean, it's true. All you got to do is ask an old black dude. What I'm saying is comedy, it seems, and the reason why I love talking to comedians is because I'm just realizing, because I got more comedian friends than mm-hmm. ever now, that it's that competitive. And so I just ask a broad question, who do you think the best ever? You say it's too subjective. For me, yeah. Eddie Murphy. For you, Eddie Murphy. He's my favorite. Right. For some, it's Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. And I know Eddie was influenced by Richard Pryor, but I was too young to be to, to be a fan of Richard. I didn't I didn't get uh, um, exposed to his work first. I, I saw Eddie first. Right. And Eddie is just, you know, characters and versatility. Like, for me, Eddie Murphy. But it's like Nas said in the song Ether, mm-hmm. ain't no best. Yeah. He was talking about rap. Yeah. You go down the rap list. Everybody has a different top five, top ten. Everybody. I've never heard two individuals with the same top five. Right. Never. Which tells me everybody has an opinion. It's it's all about one each individual's opinion. Right. My favorite rapper is Rakim. Mm-hmm. I love him. Some think it's Jay-Z because I do the impression of him. But Jay-Z is a billionaire. So, yeah, he's, he's going past most... Or all rappers. I mean, ever. it's easy to say that Jay Z is the most successful rapper of all time. There's nobody right, just categories. Yeah, but but to say who's the funniest and who's the greatest mm-hmm. at this and that, like Kevin Hart clearly has surpassed all of us in the business model of comedy. Mm-hmm. But is he the goat? I wouldn't say Eddie Murphy is still my my. Yeah, goat. yeah, yeah. You yeah, know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I can't answer. Rakim, that. your favorite rapper of all time? Yeah. You know who I Rakim think? and Nas. You know who I think my favorite rapper of all time is? Who that? Jay Electronica. That's my favorite rapper but ever. Why, why? Because you're from Louisiana. Not because, not, not even so much because I'm from Louisiana. Because the, if I was going to create a rapper in terms of content, delivery, and even the finer points of, of what they put into their rhymes and the fact that they can just straight out spit and make great songs, mm-hmm. that's who I would choose. I, that's the rapper I would create. Like, just... I think the the rap makes you smarter, mm-hmm. but it's still very I- relatable and See, interesting. That's how I feel about Nas. Yeah, it's true. Because I mean, Rakim Rakim is Nas's favorite rapper too, so we sh- we share that. 
yeah. you know, and that's why he's called God's son because he's son of the God Rakim. Right. But if I had to compose my the favorite rapper who who's like MC and just embodies that, to me, it's Nas. Mm. Who I so I was at Dane's house one time and name drop. Uh, <laughs> for whatever static that Hove and, and, and Dame have had, I asked Dame, I was like, yo, what's the better song I'll take over in Ether? And Dame goes, it's not even close that it's takeover. And l recently, there's been, <laughs> let me get the question out. <laughs> recently, there has been a lot more people saying and that takeover is actually a better song than Ether. Now be careful with this answer because you know this clip is going on Instagram. So like we're gonna do God for three days. I don't care days. where it goes. We're gonna go. We're gonna do God for three days because we're gonna get the purpose of this podcast out. But I want to know since you're a Nas fan, do you think that Takeover was a better song than Ether? No. Cl is it close? No. Well, here's the thing. It's it's a it's a battle, right? right? Jay is no slouch. No. No That's slouch. an understatement. He's Jay fucking Z. Jay is, Jay is, they're both brilliant, right? right? So I've always, I always compared the battle between Jay and Nas to the battle between who's better between Magic and Jordan. Mm. Two different styles. Either way you win a championship. Either way you win a championship, is, but it's completely different styles, mm -hmm. right? Here's what was brilliant about Ether. Nas was not known as a battle rapper, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And he was in his I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, you know, I, I was I was sleeping. Y'all y'all poked on y'all poked enough. Now he was he was that cold. I, I woke he, I woke he up. Was, he was Nas had not not at that point if you remember your history, Nas was cold in these streets. He was a little cold. He was never cold. He was cold. Though. He he wasn't as I'm people a, I, I love Nas a, as much as anybody here's if you Nas was Van, cold, man. But Van, like, at that point. At that, Van, like, like, I love, bro, I, hear me I, out. I love Nas as much as anyone that was... Hear me out, though. Okay. As black people, mm -hmm. as a black culture, we throw away our gems way too fast. You're right. The fact that Rolling Stones can still sell out arenas mm -hmm. and stadiums, and yet Cool and the Gang got to get on a, a whole lineup right. with a bunch of other black artists to right. sell out a, you know what I mean, a yeah, theater. I get you. Nas was not Sounds cold. Sounds of the 70s. Coming his, to your... Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Nas wasn't cold. He just had some albums that black people didn't like, and it was like, oh, I'm, going, I'm on to the next person or whatever. Yeah. But he still was very relevant. Why else would Jay-Z, who was on the rise, poke at somebody like him? So here's there was I'm, a different level of relevance because of that New York... Uh, rever excuse me. It never there was a different level of reverence... Whatever you want to call it. ...because of that New York shit. If Ho, he was cold, Ho would have never went at him. So here, here's my point. Yeah. Ether was so well-constructed as an entire song. Jay-Z was known for, when he was coming up in the streets, him and DMX running around, battling Big different... L. Big L. They would run around, freestyle against, and battle rap and do all that. Nas wasn't known for that. Now, did he do it from time to time? Possibly. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know his story to that degree. Mm -hmm. But the takeover was, was like a freestyle song. He hit Prodigy in the joint. Mm -hmm. He gave you know Nas a verse, yeah. and and the verses was clever. It was like, all right, you had one they hot were, album every ten were, year really average. Good. Yeah, yeah, fucking cool. Yeah, cool. Ether. Yeah, Ether was so dope. Here, here's how I'm gonna shut you down, man. I'm Ether, just posing the question. No, no, no listen. Yeah, yeah. Ether was so incredible. Mm -hmm. Jay Z admitted defeat from Ether, and. From that point on, every time somebody else lost a battle, 
We coined ether. the phrase, you got ether. You got ether. When do you... <laughs> when do you feel like Jay-Z admitted to... <laughs> when, when, he admitted it in the remix to uh, Ballin'. Mm -hmm. Ballin'! Mm -hmm. Brooklyn! Remember yeah. that? No, he, I don't remember the, I don't remember he the took, line. He took... Uh, and this is when him, Jim Jones, was beefing. Mm -hmm. So he took his song... Mm -hmm. And instead of balling, he's, he, the hook was Brooklyn. Yeah. And he said in the verse, but I got stronger after Ether. Wow. It's like he was saying <laughs> it himself. Look, look, look. Oh, look, look, look. Oh, look. John's never heard your J impression. He ain't, he ain't never hey, heard it. Wait, 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 wait. Hey, man, I just fucked he up John. He ain't never heard the shit. <laughs> <laughs> look at John going crazy. He ain't never heard the shit. But I had to spit all these words and shit. <laughs> I'm on TMZ because I be in me. Everybody knows that J is Z. <laughs> See, look at John going crazy over there. You didn't know my man had that. Um, I just came to talk about God today. Right. Um, uh, but but yeah. So he, in the verse, Jay is like, he says the line, and then Jay has this this dope thing that he does where he he reflects on the line he just said. <laughs> I, I got stronger after Ether. Wow. Like, he, I'm admitting. <laughs> I'm admitting that like I lost like the it battle. It just dawned on him. Yeah. You know, you know what's funny? There was another sort of almost under the radar semi-admission that, that he might have felt like he lost. He says, uh, I will not lose because even in defeat, there's a valuable lesson learned that for he was sure. for me. And so and when look, he, like, he when didn't, he, clearly he didn't lose to the point of... Jay-Z is incapable of losing. Facts. He, he can only grow. But as a man... <laughs> he, he can only... Jay-Z He's a billionaire. Yeah, like, he doesn't lose. He can only grow. And so, Nas is, is getting cake out here on Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. When you're talking about you guys, if there was a blueprint for the way a battle is supposed to go, uh, Nas and Jay-Z, they go at each other's necks hard for a three, four-year period, whatever it was. Then they come together, squash this. Mm -hmm. Nas was like he's about 25, Asian in hip-hop, beautifully, musically still viable, yeah. culturally a god. Hove <laughs> is something different than we've ever seen. Both of he's these I brothers iconic. have ridiculously amazing legacies. Yeah. No one lost. Nobody lost. Nobody lost. You know, but in the context of the songs, again, <laughs> back to your point. Right. Ether was so strong, Jay replied to Ether. You remember? Dude, super ugly. Super ugly. And everybody was like, ah, it's too much time. You went too far. Nah. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't as strong. Yeah. Ether, Ether, you got Ether. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know who's, you know, I'm, I'm sure, er look, it's all subjective. Everybody has, a, has an opinion. There's some people that think Lil Wayne is the greatest. Wayne thinks he's the greatest. Right. I don't. Right. He's up there. I mean, Wayne. But he's he's accomplished. Yeah. But to say he's the best rapper to ever live, not, nah. I don't think he's the best rapper to ever live. But, you know, I know nah. while we in here on this podcast, I know you're going to show respect to Louisiana, though. I know. Is that a threat? <laughs> I mean, I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina. J. Cole, what's up? I like, I, I fuck with J. Cole. Heavy. Dreamville. All day. Vietnam, 2-6. Last, last, <laughs> last question about J. Cole. Who, what's the best J. Cole album? Please say Forest Hill so we can agree on something. <laughs> Just say like say Forest Hill so we can agree on something. No, I, I, I did love Forest Hills. Forest Hills was my shit. I did love Forest Hills. Um, what I, the, I, but I, I I love KOD too. I like KOD. I, I love KOD. There was a song on Forest Hills that made me cry. Which one? There's a song on there. I can't remember the name of the songs because the, I can't remember the name of the song. So uh, obviously there are a bunch of great songs, but there's a song where he's talking about his homeboy. Mm -hmm. and he's talking about how he grew up, and he's talking about the fact that uh, um, 
his, his man stopped him from jumping out into the streets right, right, right. because he says uh, he says I looked at him and just I laughed when he saw it was serious you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. um and I can't tell you how many guys like that I've had in my life me I mean, too I can't tell you in how, Fayetteville like, I can't tell you how many guys so I'm like like I, everybody leaving I go shit I'm coming too and they go <laughs> You're not coming where we coming, Van. Yo, this ain't for you, bro. And when and when and what happens to those guys? And I, I'm I'm gonna try to keep it together. Is they die, yeah, or they get put in jail, mm. and then after a while, you start saying, "Yo, did this nigga with them tattoos on his neck and all that gold in his mouth? Did he save my life?" Yeah, you this know, happened I'm, to me six times in Fayetteville. Talk about it. I remember I used to ride to school with my cousin yeah. and my little sister. And we ride to school and from school. One day we're, we're leaving, we're driving through the neighborhood. We see a line of like, I'm not bullshitting, 40 cars. And they're coming through the neighborhood in, in a line. And I'm seeing all my friends from school. And we're looking like, where the fuck are they going? They were about to go to war with another neighborhood. In Fayetteville, it's, it's, it's neighborhoods and high schools that are war. It's not, they may have the gang thing now. I'm not, I'm not there, so I don't know. Baton Rouge was Glen Oaks versus the... It's the, neighborhoods in yeah, high Oaks schools. versus Bottom and Gardea right. versus Easy Town and all that stuff. Like yeah, yeah. So <laughs> they was about to go to war up in the, the, the shopping center parking lot against another neighborhood. And they all were strapped. Everybody was strapped. And I was like, why didn't they tell us about this? Or They kept that. It was like the... The, the underground mm -hmm. communication went around. And that was just one time. And another time, uh, one, of the, one of the cats was on the block, and, and he saw me dancing or whatever, and then they was about to leave. And I was mm -hmm. like, where y'all going? He's like, don't worry about the fuck we going. He said, just keep doing, keep doing that dancing shit. Go to the crib, man. Enjoy your family. Or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that used to happen to me all the time. Because I tried to think I wanted to be in that life, but it's like, nah, they was, the, the dudes was... And you talk about God, that's God. All day. That's God right there working in your life. That's God. That's a, those, man, angels don't always look the same way. It like, uh, goes back to my original point, which is why we can't look at the suit and the standard that church presents mm -hmm. and to the point where you're judging yourself by it. You've already been saved by these angels with tattoos on their face who are straight killers but they were angels at the time for you mm. so how dare you judge yourself by the church who looks a certain way and who acts a certain way and who you feel has the anointing on them right how dare you do that to yourself mm. don't do it last question and we can do a couple offshoots but i'm not gonna hold you too much this was a fantastic podcast is boxing back um because we because we see each other also at fights like yeah. you go to a fight like uh, one day, I actually told <laughs> Sam and I told Sam and Brandon, <laughs> I was like, uh, I, I told uh, the, the Watsons. I said, "Shout out to the Watsons, man. Those, that's the fam." Let me tell you something about the Watsons. You guys know who they are because if you watch the fights, you you you, you see you, their faces. You see their faces everywhere. You see them talking in, in the fighters' ears. You see them getting ready. I know y'all think that my brothers are twins. They are not twins. They are. Uh, People used to think that I was them. They'd be like, "Hey, are you at this fight?" Like when they would see Marcus, <laughs> Marcus and Brandon in there. Like, yeah, yeah. they were like, "Yo, or are these dudes related to you?" All right. Yeah. The amazing people, the nicest people that you will ever meet. Ever. Always keep you at the fight. I did tell Brandon one time. I said, "Yo, next fight." I want them a the Mayfion seats though, <laughs> cause cause I'm they always hook me up. 
By the way, this is not like they always hook me up. I'm always good. I always got a great view. Right. But right, right. it's it's a pecking order because AVR can smell the sweat. You right there ringside at these joints. <laughs> they look out for me. They they do. It's boxing back though. I don't feel like boxing ever left, but I will okay. say there's a lot of people feel like it did. I know, I know, but again, going back to how you said Nas was cold, it's like people so fickle. They they so quick to want to jump on the next thing. Right. So when MMA became really big, everybody's like, oh, MMA is taking over. And I feel like, well, there's room for both. I'm a martial artist too. I love MMA, but I also grew up on boxing. Right. I love boxing. Um, I think divisions have shifted. Back in the day, I think, you know, Mike Tyson is my favorite heavyweight. Mm. Um, back in the day, when we had Mike Tyson, we had Evander Holyfield, we had George Foreman come back, we had Shannon Briggs, we, you know, we had different, different heavyweights that made it exciting. Bo, Rick Bo, yeah, uh, Lennox Lewis. Even you had, um, even you had, even secondary guys like you could watch Razor Ruddick or Frank Bruno or any of those right. guys and be. NBA. But it's gonna give you an exciting. fight. It's gonna give you an exciting fight. Those um, weren't the best heavyweights, but you, they were good heavyweights to watch. The heavyweight division is making its way back. There's a lot of excitement now. You know what I mean? Um, it's getting deep too, dog. It's getting deep. Yeah. Tyson Fury. Is is cleaning up his his mental, right. and he's showing people like, yeah, I'm tall, I'm awkward, but I got technique. Yeah, he can fight. I'm, I'm actually throwing combos out here and parrying. Yeah. I'm doing all kind of shit. Yeah, he can fight. Um, Deontay Wilder, you know what I mean? He's he's not as polished as uh, as most boxers, but he's a brawler. Yeah. He's proven. Best right hand I ever saw. He's proven, and 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 he's got a chin. He's taking some some real real lumps, and yeah. he's and he stayed on his feet. Right. You know, against some some legit guys. So, uh, Anthony Joshua. People was always asking me who who between Joshua and Wilder, and I always said, well, Joshua doesn't really have a chin, and he 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 doesn't have uh, as much stamina. And we saw gases every he gases fight. out around round five six. Yeah, he's gassed. Right. Um. And and then he just got knocked out. Yeah. He quit. Yeah, he quit. So I I knew. I think that Joshua too diesel, bro. He care. I, I like. There are heavyweights that he is a. He doesn't. There, there have been big heavyweights and guys who are huge, but he looks blocky. He is huge. He no, needs no, to lose a little weight. Yeah, he's big. He needs to lose a little weight. I mean, not, and that, that sounds right for a guy whose body his body fat is probably around five or six percent. But yeah. I think he would be a be, I think he would be a better fighter at about two forty or two thirty five. Just just from a stamina perspective, you know what I'm saying? No, for sure. And and, and he may need more uh, conditioning and yeah, all and of that strength, all of that. So Different. you're saying? So you're saying right now? You like what's going on in boxing, but you don't ever feel like boxing. Nah, I don't think it ever. I mean, because again, when the heavyweights kind of faded out, then it went down to the lighter weighted guys. That's that's where we have but, the Mayweather's, the the Pacquiao, the Koto. Uh, um, like it's it's a shitload of those boxers that that carried it in the lighter weights. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it it went anywhere. Mm. Who's the best fighter in the world? Ain't no best. Man, that, that's the name of the podcast, by the way. The name of the podcast, I'll tell you why the name of this podcast is Ain't No Best. Because that's been the theme. Ain't no best way to be a, a Christian. Ooh, ain't no best bars. way to worship God. Ain't no best. Ain't, ain't no best way to, ain't no best. Ain't no best. Ain't no best. That's ain't actually, no best. you know what? The, the concept that there is a best is really ruining a lot of people. It's erroneous. It gives you a false aspiration to try to reach. Mm. Because even the best, even the ones that reach the pinnacle, eventually start to fall. And some of them can't handle it. Mm. So if they, were, if they didn't give themselves that competitive, oh, I'm going to be the number one, number one, mm. as soon as you get to number two, 
Right. You don't know what the fuck to do. You remember uh, like a week or two ago, I think Khaled got on his story or man, whatever and, yeah. and said something about, man, he, he wanted to debut at number one. He wanted to debut at number one. So it's like, it fucked with him. As much as you, <laughs> as, as he, he per, per, you know, projects the, mm-hmm. the positivity and, and, and that's real, mm-hmm. right? No, he's a nice guy. No, he's a great guy. Yeah. But, but that, that can fuck with you as opposed to just saying, look, I'm going to put out great work. I want right. to be a great person. And or maybe even being happy for Tyler. Let's just be. Or maybe I, I, I mean maybe even like uh, Tyler put out a fantastic, phenomenal album. Kid been working hard for a very long time. He's been spitting for a long time. Maybe, he's maybe, a good. He's a good uh, MC. Good. Good MC. Very creative dude. Maybe even. It's the only thing I would say. Salute I know it's not about you, but maybe be happy for Tyler too, man, because this is a big moment for this kid, young kid, right. like about to embark on the the next chapter of his music. I've career seen The Rock stuff. do that. Like whenever he had a movie, one time he had a movie that tanked, and he was like, "Man, but salute the, the yeah. movie that 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 kicked my ass." Right. You know what I mean? I'll be back on the next one. I'm still having, I'm I'm having fun. I'm living life. It's like we have to be the best we can be, but as far as who's the best in the world, ain't no best. Ain't no best. Give it up, white people. Avery Crockett. All right. Two white people. <laughs> Two white people. Listen, it, we used to have we, we used to have three white people. Okay. And then what happens is we start off with more, and then people gotta go do stuff because it's a word day at TMZ. I mean, this is TMZ. It so is I mean. TMZ. I, I'm a, um, just for John's sake. This is not even gonna go in the podcast. Just give him one more of one of your best impressions, if you don't mind, just for John, because he's never heard you before. Try to, John. You guess <clears throat> who he's doing. This is not going on anything because it's not about this man doing this. I'm not. Come on, man. Okay, <laughs> John. John. <laughs> Okay, fuck out of here, man. Okay, TMZ. <laughs> TMZ, what the fuck is TMZ, man? What the fuck is TMZ, man? Okay? <laughs> I know what TMI is. <laughs> fuck out of here, man. Okay? <laughs> fuck out. Hey, that's crazy. 